Right, hi, welcome back to the Just Together Nature Show. We've got what's well, some pussy in the house. We've got some pussy cats in the house. Which you mind that to the gather, gather, gather. Anyway, so um, haha, yeah, little lame jokes just uh. All right, well, just have to try harder next time. Okay. That's all. That's all you can expect yourself. Just do, do better next time. <clears throat> do better. <laughs> Which is kind of a meme going around. Anyway, so um, we're going to listen to Michael Cohen podcast on Apple. Personally. And, uh, you know, I think podcasts are the wave of the future because uh, basically we can... Like, I'm learning so much from Michael Cohen's podcast. And, um, so let's see if you want to give me a suggestion. Um, also, I'm going to, I want to start covering the Midas, pod, Midas Touch podcast. Um, part, it's part of a movement, like Michael Cohen was saying, that's, you know, he's generously giving his, um, you know, this is like a free course online for me. Alright, so, shows, where are the shows, man? <laughs> See all, 202. We got epidemic, smoking, and, okay, um, hit a fucking high, we did that way back. Breaking a supported hanging tank during insurrection and a conversation. <sighs> yeah, this Coacherella. I follow him on Twitter. He's like a Gen Z. I wonder if it's the same one. That I was listening to before about Gen Z, but if it, even if it is. If dog people make dog oh my god. Definitely wouldn't look like dusty burnt brown. Sorry about that. Anyway, um this is a shout out to KAMP Student Radio at the University of Arizona. Whoa. And KPYT Paswayaka Tribe here in Two Stone Arizona. Arid Stoner. Two stoned Arid Stoner. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is my little bird. Grab me. Don't grab me. What does that mean? Grab? Does that mean like at me? This is Michael Cohen, and you're listening to the Mayor Culpa podcast. Nice to hear you. I'd be remiss if I didn't acknowledge the despair and the pain that we're all feeling in the wake of the coast. I'm focusing on young people, by the way. Soon, the Supreme Court will issue its biggest gun ruling in more than a decade. One expected to make it easier to carry guns in public in some of the biggest (laughs) cities in the United States. And the murder of so many in Texas or in Buffalo or anywhere else, it's not likely to change the outcome. The Supreme Court is actively working against the American public. In fact, they're fucking killing us. 
They have no concern for the safety and welfare of children. That's the same children that they want to force women to bear. Oh All we have is our voices and our vote. Take your pain, your anger, and use it to fuel the work we've all got to do to vote wanna... these motherfuckers out in November. The Heat Organization. I want to, you know what? The Boston Celtics and the NBA family. Hey, uh, what also the hell is this? Those... Pause. Okay, um, shoot it. Hurry up, Trista. It's getting bad. Psycho mini Trump's dominating geo primary GOP primaries. The ugly effects of Trumpism. Replacement theory explained. Conversation with David Cohen. How the GOP became an apocalyptic death cult. Oh my God! Yes, we need to hear that. Because we need to tax the church. Call write these numbers down on your desk or whatever or close by. And um, 202-224-3121, that's Congress, and call the White House. Um, they're only open 9 to 5. <laughs> I guess they can't afford a, a voicemail system, but... Ha-ha! <laughs> My chicken thought that was funny. Ha-ha! <laughs> uh-huh. This is my mea culpa. This is Michael Cohen, and you're listening to the Mayor Culpa Podcast. I want to apologize in advance for the less than perfect sound quality you receive and deserve here on Mayor Culpa. I'm currently in Miami celebrating the graduation of my son from the Herbert Business School at the University of Miami. Nevertheless, I wanted to make sure this important episode with Diane Benscoder airs on time. So please enjoy the episode and thank you for being a part of the Mayor Culpa podcast movement. As we know, today's Republican Party is really, really good at one thing. Fucking lying. And they do it pretty much every single day and seemingly without any remorse. They lie to the press. They lie to their constituents. Maybe even lying to themselves. But as the old saying goes, a fish rots from the head down. And the de facto head of the Republican Party is still Donald J. Trump, a.k.a. the fucking liar-in-chief. On January 6th of 2021, you had tens of thousands of people peacefully protesting, and yet the corporate media and Democrats slander them with the, the made-up term insurrectionist. I'm sorry to say I don't hold out much hope that the January 6th hearings will change the minds of GOP voters. A recent poll in Newsweek found that half of all Republicans still believe that the January 6th rioters were simply protecting democracy. And Republican leaders, for the most part, affirmed Trump's ludicrous claims of voter fraud and border wars because it serves them to do so. The party is now defined by Trumpism. And no matter how outlandish the lie, no one ever says, just shut the fuck up, Donald. Because Trump owns the MAGA voters, and polls take 
in just this week show that if the presidential primary were held tomorrow, he'd win by double and triple digits. Here with this updated report from Georgia officials. Take a listen. Georgia officials have concluded that there was no widespread voter fraud by election workers who counted ballots at the State Farm Arena in November 2020. The results of this investigation indicate that Ruby Freeman and Wandria Shea Moss did not engage in ballot fraud or criminal misconduct while working at State Farm Arena on election night. A legal matter with this network and the two election workers has been resolved to the mutual satisfaction of the parties through a fair and reasonable settlement. By now we've all heard Kevin McCarthy fucking humiliating himself on tape denying that he said Trump should resign. And Mike Lee of Utah, who opposed the January 6th commission on the grounds that it was too partisan, and then, shockingly, text messages leaked proving Lee was actively working to overturn the election all along. Mitt Romney won't even endorse Mike Lee now. But as the rhinos try to imitate Trump's mob boss malfeasance, they find it's not as easy as Trump makes it look. What they're doing by saying, oh, we have to love these people and take care of these migrants and love one another. This is loving one another. Yes, we are supposed to love one another, but their definition of what love one another means uh, means destroying our laws. And no matter how egregious the lies, no one seems to care. Except, of course, the Democrats, who are in a constant state of hair on fire because no one fucking seems to care. My father taught me how to handle my first gun. I taught my son Oliver how to do the same. I've been shooting and hunting my whole life. So when people say I won't support guns, they're dead wrong. Both! Republican voters, particularly in red states, consistently undermine their own best interests by replacing their support for traditional Republicans with MAGA-approved crackpots. By handing control over to lawmakers who know nothing about the law or even how the government works will have real-world consequences that will affect American life for generations. And ending abortion is just the beginning. Better watch your back, it's a white boy summer. Hold iPhone for the white boy gunners. We all come up from the bottom like the pipes in the gunner. Got the shotgun going bump, But Trump knows that his voters are fine with the lies. They've galvanized by a hatred of everyone on the left and the real fear that they're being displaced by communities of color, by feminists and immigrants. And they love him for saying what they're thinking. Nearly 180,000 illegal immigrants with criminal records ordered deported from our country are tonight roaming free to threaten peaceful citizens. Never-ending quest to own the libs, motherfucking asshats fairly regularly deny science and then die of COVID. Fold down conspiracy theory rabbit holes and scream bloody murder that peaceful protesters like abortion rights activists are tearing apart the very fabric of our society. It's like group psychosis, a terrifying mix of brainwashing and willful ignorance. But somehow, millions of Americans feel safe inside the MAGA tent where critical thinking has been replaced by a blind faith that dictates that you must believe in the big lie. I mean, so much so that you defend it with your life. And that's the point. It's a fucking...
fucking litmus test for your faith without question and your loyalty above all else to the cult of Donald J. Trump. I mean, listen, folks, I should know. Someday, and that day may never come, I'll call upon you to do a service. As the midterm primaries play out, Republicans seem to be in a race to see just who can appear the Trumpiest with candidate after candidate fucking kissing the ring and towing the line, trying to get a coveted Trump endorsement. In the Ohio senatorial race, the notorious never-Trumper J.D. Vance couldn't seem to get a Trump endorsement because... I, I think there's a chance, if I feel like Trump has a really good chance of winning, that I might have to hold my nose and, and vote for Hillary Clinton. Vance went from third in the polls to winning his senatorial primary. But how? First, he went on Fox News. Like a lot of uh, people, I, I criticized Trump back in 2016, and I asked folks not to judge me by based on what I, I said in 2016, because I've been very open about the fact that I, I did say those critical things, and uh, I regret them, and I regret being wrong about the guy. I think that he was a good president. And then he apparently, in between testicle pants and screaming the news, Fox superstar Tucker Carlson got on the phone with the former president and Don Jr., and according to Rolling Stone, promised Trump that Vance was with him on the issues despite the candidate's past anti-Trump comments. Then the trio exchanged some sexually salacious gossip about the head of the conservative club for growth, David McIntosh. I mean, they had a laugh and then hung up. Three days later, Vance gets the endorsement. Are you a racist? Do you hate Mexicans? The media calls us racist for wanting to build Trump's wall. They censor us, but it doesn't change the truth. Joe Biden's open border is killing Ohioans, with more illegal drugs and more Democrat voters pouring into this country. This issue is personal. I nearly lost my mother to the poison coming across our border. No child should grow up an orphan. I'm J.D. Vance, and I approve this message because whatever they call us, we will put America first. McIntosh, in turn, ran ads against Vance that featured clips of a Vance lookalike calling Trump America's Hitler. After which Maggie Haberman reported that Trump had his assistant send McIntosh a three-word text. Go fuck yourself. And so it goes in Trump land. I can't say I miss it. Former toady Mo Brooks lost his Trump endorsement when it appeared that he would lose his primary. But Trump has made over a hundred endorsements, ranging from marquee congressional battles to little-noticed statehouse posts in Pennsylvania. I endorsed another person today, Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania. Dr. Oz. Great guy, good man, good man, Harvard educated, tremendous, tremendous career, and they liked him for a long time. That's like a poll, you know, when you're in television for 18 years, that's like a poll. That means people like you, but he's a, he's a great guy. Crowning himself the kingmaker, Trump's ability to propel candidates over the finish line in tight primary contests is truly frightening. Great to see you, Don. Thanks very much for being here this morning. You know, President Trump has been back. Backing a lot of D.C. outsiders, first-timers as well. You've got
got J.D. Vance, a, a, memo, a memoirist. You've got Herschel Walker, a football legend and an entrepreneur. How is he thinking about his endorsements? Listen, I think we're looking outside of the swamp. You saw how successful my father was with his policies, with his presidency, uh, for all the things that he did for the American people. Trump wields his seal of approval to reward allies and punish his enemies. But his sway over the Republican Party seems absolute. And then came along Nebraska. Former President Trump is doubling down on his endorsement of a controversial candidate in the Nebraska gubernatorial race. That's right. He's holding a rally tonight with several of his allies to show support for Charles Herbster. Now, Herbster is a longtime friend of Mr. Trump's and chaired his Agriculture and Rural Advisory Committee during his presidency. But last month, eight women, including a Nebraska state senator, came forward to accuse Herbster of sexually assaulting them. Herbster has denied those allegations. He's the most innocent human being, Trump said, rallying with Herbster at a fairground in eastern Nebraska. He's the last person to do any of this stuff. Herbster, a bull semen salesman, and I'm not fucking kidding, folks, a bull semen salesman was reportedly schmoozing with Trump and the fucking Mike Pillow guy, Mike Lindell, on January 6th as they hung out on the ellipse and detailed plans to overturn the election and then enjoyed watching the insurrection on television. Herbster's election was Tuesday. Fillon wins in Nebraska, and this is the establishment non-Trump candidate chosen by uh, Governor Ricketts, handpicked to run uh, in Nebraska, the winner in Nebraska, Jim Fillon. Trump endorsed candidates this year have a 56 to 1 record. I mean, seriously, 56 to 1. There's half a dozen more primaries this week, and the race to watch Georgia the week after, where slicked up good old boy David Perdue is back after being beat in the 2020 Senate race by John Ossoff. Trump brought Perdue back from the dead to fight off his arch enemy, incumbent Governor Brian Kemp. Kemp refused to concede the 2020 race to Trump, and you know how much he hates to lose. There were some phone calls, but we'll get to that in a moment. Purdue has been running with the whole stolen election bit, but he's almost too smarmy to pull it off. In fact, Trump might have to live with an outcome he doesn't agree with, since Purdue is seriously trailing in both the polls and in fundraising. A recent blurb in The Hill said his events have drawn anemic crowds and his most important supporter, Donald Trump, is downplaying Purdue's chances of winning. I'm David Purdue. I'm running for governor to make sure Stacey Abrams is never governor of Georgia. Purdue's campaign is predicting that MAGA will surge, forcing Kemp into a June runoff. But it's not looking good for Purdue. And if Kemp wins the primary, he'll almost certainly square off against Democrats and political powerhouse Stacey Abrams again in November. Kemp was Secretary of State when he last ran against Abrams, the governor, in 2018. And during his tenure in that role, he purged more than 1.4 million inactive voters from the rolls. Voters who just happened to be mostly low income and minority voters. Smells fishy? Fuck yeah! But rather than take the lost line down, Abrams got to work and is largely credited with turning her state blue in 2020. 
money, delivering Warmuck and Ossoff to the Senate and giving the Dems their narrow margin in Congress. As Biden said after the race, Abrams can do anything she wants. If you look at my legislative record, I have fought for education, I have fought for our children, I have fought for our teachers, and I will fight for the future. Will you join me with creating one Trump wants to prove his might anywhere, it's going to be in Georgia, where he's currently being investigated for illegal interference in the 2020 election. A special investigative grand jury was convened just last week. An analysis put out by the Brookings Institute, substantial risk of criminal charges, including racketeering and election fraud solicitation. I'm interested to see how that turns out. But in the meantime, Trump is doing his damnedest to oust Raffensperger and install radio preacher and professional Trump ass kisser Jody Heath. Trump is like the strongman, carnival barker for the whole fucking lager circus, going from town to town, just saying fucking shit to get you in to see the sideshow freaks. Sadly, what's inside really that honest. circus tent is way too real and very fucking scary. This is my mea culpa, oh baby don't laugh at me, oh baby don't laugh at me. My next guest today is Cheyenne Benskoder, a speaker, author, and cult deprogrammer who spent five years deep inside the moony religious cult before finding her way back to sanity. She shares her insider's perspective on how the mind of a cult member works and has developed innovative ways to think about today's most troubling conflicts and extremist movements. Her groundbreaking TED Talk, entitled How Cults Rewire Your Brain, has received over a million and a half views online and has helped to reunite countless Sounds like it should be required viewing today, in our hashtag new national curriculum.
So it's very compelling to have someone come along and put a narrative out there that allows you to blame someone and allows you to feel self-righteous and allows you to feel like you're part of something bigger than yourself. And in an era, era where we don't know who to trust, so many people don't know who to trust because of the internet, we get our information from so many different sources, people are relieved to feel like, okay, now I know who I can trust. Now I know who the enemy is. And so it takes place on a really primal area of, of a person. It takes place in that area where you really seek to feel better about yourself. And I'm sure that happened to you. It certainly happened to me during my time in the cult that I was in. So the answer to that is, yeah, and I talked about um, my own personal um, journey right, uh, into the cult of Donald J. Trump, and then, of course, being excommunicated from the cult. And what I wanted to really get from you is, and then we're going to really dive deep into this, because I truly believe that the 70 million people that voted for Trump, or the 38% now of this Republican Party, that they are knee-deep into the cult. And they're having a hard time getting out. So... What, how would you describe the tactics that Donald Trump uses? I mean, or what it's are the tactics up. that he's using in <laughs> order to bring people into this cult and to make themselves vulnerable for his benefit? I don't think people make themselves vulnerable. They just are. It's part of the human condition. And especially in times of social unrest, in times of a confusing world, world situation. And so people seek a leader. People want to have some a king. People want to have an enemy. And so I think that what he did was to, first of all, he is addicted to power. Let's just get that clear. Cult leaders and authoritarian leaders are addicted to power. And they start seeing human beings as their assets. They want to have control over them. And they want dedication to them. And that's what they get off on. And so they demand loyalty. And people seek to be loyal. People want someone to trust. They, it's hard to grapple with complexity. And so he came up and he appealed to people's racism, to their feelings of insecurity and wanting easy answers to life's hard questions. He sent a message to people that felt like what they thought they had as a birthright, for instance, being white and male or whatever, that they had been wrong and that the government had been evil, that, that, that he would give them back their power. And a lot of people bought into that. And the other thing is, when you think about technology and how information is, algorithms are used to give people more of what they want to hear, it's really easy for people to validate this. So someone starts to feel better. They're like, yeah, I agree with that. They see something on the internet and they're like, yeah, I agree with that. And then they start looking further and getting more messaging and it makes them feel stronger. It makes them feel more self-righteous. It makes them feel like, yeah, I'm part of this, this mission and I'm going to I'm going to fight this evil force out there in the world. And 
they start to feel better about themselves. What psychological manipulation does is it makes you feel better about yourself. And people that are in a close circle like you were, you're like close to the fire and you start feeling, it feels good to feel like you're close to the king, to feel like you are part, one of the most powerful people in the world. And that, that soon everyone will know who's in charge. And so it's, it's really addictive. Being part of something that feels like it will be the power is really addictive and people buy into it and, and feel better. Yeah, look, you know, when, and I've talked about this again, you know, um, on this podcast kind of at length, I started working for Donald Trump in 2007. In 2005, I had a health scare that put me into the intensive care unit uh, where I blew a series of pulmonary embolisms and my lungs shut down and I was, I was dying. Um, it took me about 18 months between blood thinners, Lovenox, um, and uh, in order to be able to get up and to get out to be active again, because I've always been active my entire life. And I guess when he asked me to come to work for him, it was sort of a jump start, right, to my failed engine. Um, my wife, my children had pleaded with me on so many occasions to leave. They didn't like what I was doing. They didn't like the, um, the stories that I started to tell them about my work um, at the very beginning. And so we ended up making a deal. I won't tell you what I'm doing at work. You won't ask, and then you won't be angry at me. And so I was basically living a double life. But, you know, obviously cult leaders are not new to... America, they're not new to the world. I mean, you know, we all know about Jim Jones and Jonestown. Which we also should be required in our new national curriculum, Jonestown about, documentary uh, Applewhite, right? and discussion. You know, I mean, that was just a weird one to those people who don't know uh, who he was. It was a mass suicide by all of his followers because there was a comet that was going to be passing either, I don't know, within... 10 million miles of Earth, they believed it was going to hit. I mean, it, the whole thing is crazy. But then there's even, you know, the most recent one that we all know about, obviously David Koresh, right? But uh, Keith Rainier uh, from Nixium. I was, interestingly enough, I was watching yesterday, there's a documentary on uh, Nixium. And I was, you know, it's uh, obviously the main character there is Catherine Oxenberg. But there's also uh, Allison Mack, who was the actress from Smallville and so on. Then you had the Bronfman, you know, children. I mean, this guy really knew what he was doing. How do you compare the sickness that these individuals have, that they manage to bring people into their cult to do crazy shit, like, you know, getting his initials branded, you know, into, you know, into their skin um, to the point where a multitude, according to the documentary of, you know, naked women in the room at the same time, all throwing up from the smell of the burnt skin. I mean, who allows something like that? Um, and I often wonder if Trump actually became that kind of a cult leader, how many people would actually follow him? Well, I was very involved 
was next year. I actually helped uh, India, Catherine's daughter, and um, got to know a lot of the people involved in that group and understand quite deeply why they did this. They were mostly young, beautiful women that dedicated themselves and got these, um, got seared with his initials. And it was because they really bought into the idea that this was the right way to do it, that this would make them better people, that, that he really was the smartest man on the earth. Only what you do, what the trade-off is when you join a cult or buy into extremist mentality is that you trade your identity in for easy answers, for a way to feel better, for a way to feel powerful. And you don't want to be, it doesn't matter how crazy the doctrine is, what matters is that you feel better now and that you feel like your life has meaning and that you're on the right track. And it's once you've dedicated yourself to it and it's become your identity, it's extremely hard to leave. And you don't want to hear anything that contradicts it. And even if you hear something that contradicts it, there's always a way to counter it within the group. They'll give you some reason that lets you continue to believe because you don't want to, you're not thinking rationally. It doesn't happen on the rational thought process place. It happens on the psychological place. It happens because it makes you feel more powerful. And yes, I think, I mean, didn't, weren't you ready to take a bullet for this man? And I probably, and, and honestly, I would have, except, except for one thing. If he was the guy pulling the trigger, right? How many times, you know, did we have, you know, conversations with, you know, myself uh, or others that if somebody, you know, wouldn't breach the perimeter or do something, we were all just going straight in, right? You know, um, you know, we were going to protect the king. And while it sounds stupid, and listening to myself say it, I feel like a freaking moron, right? You know, but I was knee deep into the shit called Donald J. Trump, and I acknowledge it. And I'm embarrassed about it. I'm just trying to figure out with your expertise, how do we deprogram these 70 million morons? And this, the funny thing, I shouldn't call them morons because, you know, it's not that it's not nice because I don't particularly care, right? Um, it's more, I was in one of those cults, so technically I'm calling myself a moron, which I do all the time. But I'm trying to instead of insulting anybody, I'm trying to figure out how do we deprogram these 70 million people and some of the people that I speak to are incredibly educated, well, well educated. I mean, for example, the other day I was walking on the street, I bumped into a friend of mine. He was a former major player over at Goldman Sachs, highly, highly educated, Ivy League school, the whole nine yards, extremely successful. And he He's honestly, when, the way he was talking about Trump, I looked at him and I said to him, holy shit, you're, you're like knee deep into the cold of Donald Trump. I don't even know how that happens considering, what have you met him once? Maybe would you take a 10 second photo with him? What is it? Yes, I get it financially. He's beneficial to you. But the stuff that's coming out of your mouth isn't just about finances. It's like you believe everything that this man says, yet you know, you know for a fact, I don't care if you watch Fox, only Fox News or Newsmax, 
for OAN. You know that the man is a fund fundamentally flawed character who lies like you breathe. So what are you saying to me? You think you know him better than me? You're telling me that everything the man says is right? Yeah, and that's why your voice is so important, Michael, because farmers are, they have no credibility of anyone to people who are knee-deep in considering leading. And so I really appreciate that you're able to call yourself a Mormon, but this, you're not. Obviously, you're a highly intelligent person. I believe the Sunday... No, Diane, I'm going to disagree. I am a Mormon. <laughs> 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 well, then I am too, because I believe the Sunday moon was the second coming of Christ, and I would have done anything for him because I really, really did believe that. And I prayed on the steps of the Capitol that Nixon would not be impeached. And that, I joined, the reason I was looking for, what I was looking for was a way to stop the Vietnam War. I was, you know, a teenager when I joined. And I really thought that I was a disciple of Christ. And, and once you believe that, I believed it all the way up to coming to understand that I had been manipulated, that that I'd been what I was that term was brainwashing that was used back then, and I was deprogrammed. That's a term that was used back then. But yes, deprogramming. How do we do that? Well, here's the thing. On a national Psychological scale, manipulation is a public health issue. And it's mole whacking until we create a public health response to it. That is how it is. And now public health response I've been speaking about that and trying to create solutions, scalable solutions through my nonprofit for that, building workshops to teach loved ones how to have more effective conversations with their loved ones that have fallen down the rabbit hole. And it works. What works is that when people realize they've been lied to, when they realize they've been lied to at a really deep level, they've been taken advantage of on a psychological level. That is what people need so to understand. So First we need thing to get to that tipping point in society where more people than not are resilient to that kind of manipulation. They recognize the con when they see it. Yeah, but we're, not, we're, but we're not. But we're not. We're, no, we're, we're nowhere near that. that. Placing a trade shouldn't be complicated. It should be smooth as butter. The Fidelity app makes investing easy with zero commission U.S. stock and ETF trades, no account minimums, and fractional shares. Thank you for tuning in to Just the Cabinator's show, and thank you for almost 10,000 listeners across social media. And please do call your Congress members, 202-224-3121, and demand insurrection charges minimum and bar them all from office. Call the Justice Department, 202-514-2000. And that is the best lobbying strategy, I believe, since um, they need to, they're the ones that make the charges. And the January 6th committee, apparently they can, they're just mainly reporting or um, entity. So... Yeah, the Department of Justice. And also call the White House. You can only call and reach them um, between office hours, so, you know, like 9 to 5, which is stupid. I'm going to tweet him about that. It should be, um, you know, like invest in a little bit of voicemail, dude. It's just 
Um, but you can leave a message any time of day or night for your Congress members, 202-224-3121. Tell them to break up the corporate media monopoly, too, and tell them that five corporations own all of our media, so you, we don't have freedom of the press. You know, Mr. Assface Nazi dump. We should be charged. Oh, here we go. So that pass the light on to you it's truly you know going again going back in time i feel so stupid saying it but it's the truth but you know you brought something up about yourself and your writings and your lectures and i have a question that i want to ask you on that because you've obviously you've written and you've lectured in the past that extremism acts like a disease or a virus now correct me if i get this wrong as i'm definitely you know not a scientist or a psychologist but, and I'm going to quote something here, extremist groups spread their ideas and thought patterns or memes first described by evolutionary biologist Richard Dawkins in the 1970s through slogans, through catchphrases and icons. Right? Does this ring a bell on who I'm going to? A viral mimic uh, infection marks the successful input of a meme in a person's mind. And infected individuals believe that if they follow their group, everything wrong with the world will be fixed. The group sees any course of action to subdue non-followers, them, as rational and necessary. An outlook that makes extremist groups especially dangerous. If you do me a favor, because obviously when we start talking about patterns and memes and slogans yeah. and catchphrases right i mean who's the king of catchphrases other than donald trump we can go through them all if you'd like if you do me the favor unpack from my listeners how this manifests with a group like QAnon. not terminating cliches it should be are if you wrap your mind around that concept what is a thought terminating cliche Tell your Congress members 202 224 3121. I mean, call Congress 202 224 3121 and demand that they name Fox anchors and executives as co conspirators in January 6th insurrection. And also, minimum five, I'm going for broke. We should throw the book at them and uh, stop them in their tracks. Nip it in the bud. Nip it in the bud. <laughs> so we need to do, we need to nip it in the bud. You don't have to have a depth of knowledge to use a, a catchphrase or something that is easily repeatable and makes you feel like you're on the right side of history. It makes you feel like you're on the right side of, of what's going on in society. And so he, a lot of people who don't have a, a depth of knowledge about speech, sociology and politics right and, new and what's really going on in the world can use these catchphrases and feel good about themselves and feel like they're part of something bigger than themselves. And so that's why they're used so much. Thought, the thing is about thought control or... or physically, but the way they see the world, the way they perceive things, how they see themselves in the world. And if you can control a person's 
view of themselves and view of the world, then you can weaponize them. And that's ultimately what an authoritarian leader or a cult leader wants to do. They want people who are ready. And by the way, have the Justice Department call, tell the Justice Department to look into um, misuse of personal information. Ready to give their life or take life for others. What Lipton called the dispensing of existence is the most extreme form of psychological manipulation. At that point, people are ready to march on the Capitol, take a bullet, or you know, kill for the sake of what they believe is right. And so these ideas the are president, self the president asked them to do it. Psychological manipulation is self-perpetuating. And by that I mean that once you start feeling good about yourself because you're part of this group and now it all makes sense, now I know who the enemy is. And some people just can't. Mm. They're star fuckers, okay? So anything he does. Because he's famous. That's kind of self-fulfilling prophecy, or um, mutually self-fulfilling. And uh, yeah, anyway, minimum five charges. Insurrection, sedition, treason, terrorism, and election fraud. Now I know who to blame for the fact that my life isn't going quite like I... And 300,000 counts of stolen ballots. ...thought it would. Then you want to share it with others. You want to spread it. And so you start pushing this stuff out to your friends and colleagues and everyone you know, and you start repeating these catchphrases so that you can continue to feel good. That's what you did. That's what I did. That's what people do once they feel better is they want to keep feeling better and they want to spread this and make sure that it takes over the world so they can be on top. And that's why a lot of these a McCain lot of this messaging that has to do with us bomb, 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 ram at a time when um, tensions were very high with Iran. Basically, he's calling for bombing Iran. He was kind of fucked in the head, if you ask me. Versus them, and everything's going to that collapse. Was cool, that was the cool. That was one of the coolest things. Runs throughout a lot of 
That was really cool though when he um, broke the vote and single-handedly maintained the uh, Medicare or the Obamacare system. The conspiracy theories is that people feel like they want to be on top. And this is going to give them a chance. When society falls apart and they're loyal to the king, they will be on top. They'll be part of the chosen people. I thought I was a disciple of Christ. So I mm-hmm. thought that my ancestors and descendants would look up to me. The church is radicalizing. I was the Messiah. This is why we need disciple. to you know? tax well, the church. Me so let me just go back to the end of it. In how, what about a group like QAnon? Because, you know, they also use catchphrases. They use these buzzwords, right? Which like should be the whole issue of designated terrorist theory, organizations. Winning the language war, right? Grooming predators, you know, pedophile cabal. You know, I, I mean, you know, they, they have created catchphrases that specifically apply to this QAnon theory which of course doesn't exist, but yet there is a massive number of people in this country, substantially more than I ever thought, that actually believe in this. They, and they believe yeah. that Nancy Pelosi is the, is the queen. I mean, this is crazy stuff. Yeah, it is crazy stuff. And the thing is though, it's, you don't have to think hard. You don't have to grapple with complexity. All you have to do is repeat these phrases in order to be part of the in crowd, in order to be part of, you know, close to the king, in order to feel more powerful about yourself. And a lot of the people who are coming to my organization for help, they talk about the fact that their loved one, and sometimes it's like their elderly father, a lot of times it is, that, that is spends now all their time in front of the computer, you know, taking this stuff in and getting more and more evidence that this is true. You know, they go seek evidence, the algorithm pushes stuff at them. It's not that hard to make information and to use like deep fake stuff to create stuff that looks right and to convince people that this is how the world is. And, and so it's not that hard to buy into it and it's not that hard for people to repeat these phrases and they don't have to do hard work to do it. Many of the people who are coming to me for help, coming to my organization for help, who have family members that are in QAnon and other parts of this, anti-vaxxers and such, they hardly recognize their loved one. All their loved one does is repeat these catchphrases. And, and they, when they try to bring them this is evidence a zombie to the contrary, they just they can easily go to the internet and find something to counter that. It's so easy to counter it with these lies, this package of lies. And they, and they don't want it to be not true. They want it to be true because now their dignity and pride is wrapped up into it. Right, okay, so for example, right? Um, I saw there was a guy, his name is Ron Dreher, right? And he's with the American Conservative. So what did he do? He decided to create Another catchphrase for you know this organization because they are anti-LGBTQ, and so now with this whole fight going on with Ron DeSantis in Florida, 
What's the new catchphrase, the new slogan there in Florida? Disney goes groomer, right? That there's some sort of an issue where Mickey Mouse or Minnie Mouse or Goofy and Pluto, that they're all, that we're trying to somehow convert their children. I mean, look, to me, I just don't, I just don't get it, right? It's, it just doesn't make any sense. I, I don't see how you're going to take to a place like Disneyland, right? The, the most fabulous place on earth, right? And you're going to turn it into some sort of a corrupted, sexually deviant, Kabbalistic, you know, place using Cinderella's castle as you know headquarters for you know all of this nefarious stuff in their mind i mean it's again to me i just don't i don't get it and it doesn't matter whether you're an ivy league student or you went to your local community college or you didn't go to school at all this is just so fundamentally foolish it's so it's so stupid on its face that it's hard to imagine that people actually believe this Again, it's not about, it's, it doesn't happen on the intellectual level, it happens on the psychological level. And once it has become your identity, once you have told your family and your friends and you've been out there on Facebook spouting this stuff, then you have to stay in those shoes. You have to stay in that, in that identity no matter how bizarre it gets because otherwise you have to admit that you were wrong about the whole thing. I, I, I admit I'm wrong. I admit I'm wrong. Yeah, Every but... single mea culpa. I've done it on yeah. television, in the press. I mean, it's not that hard to admit that you're wrong. You know, you go ahead and you accuse somebody of, you know, taking the, you, the keys to your car, right? And so, but they're actually in your pocket. Oh, is it so wrong to say, hey, I apologize. You're right. You didn't. You took your keys, not mine. Blah, blah, blah. Or any other <laughs> one of the billion reasons why people apologize so you apologize i got it wrong i mean is it so malignant well, narcissists can't apologize some of these people they For make mistakes ever. they don't they don't apologize they don't correct the record no, it's just sorry. you know move on i i don't know is this a move on situation or is this really something we have to dig deep into and we have to figure out how to deprogram these people because we're fighting an uphill battle against people who do not they're building you're a watching wall, fox right? again unfox my cable box the catchphrase of donald we all know every single one of us republican democrat independent we all know that the united states has an immigration policy issue we've had it for the last 60 years right it's not any different today it's still problematic so what does donald trump do he comes out and he says i'm a builder and I know, quite frankly, I know exactly what to do. We're going to build a wall. It's going to be a big, beautiful wall. It's going to be the most beautiful wall you've ever seen. And I'm a builder, so I know how to build, right? And who's going to pay for it? Not the United States. And everybody starts screaming together, right? It's almost like a concert when the, when the, when the crowd starts stomping their feet or clapping to a beat. Mexico. Well, we all know that that was a lie. And it goes right back to the entire question. How do we how do we deprogram this? Yeah, well, and good job on on the <laughs> on imitating him. Shut down, um, Fox.
you know, you would not have said I'm wrong on the day that you that light was shed on you when he was giving you accolades for something that you did right when he doesn't ever do that. That would not have been the day that you said I'm wrong about all this. You were deep knee deep then. And so true. let me Yeah. And so let me just take you to one oh one here. So family comes to me, loved one is knee deep in QAnon. And that's all they talk about now. So the first step that we do to help them in the deprogramming process is to help them understand how they've been taken advantage of. Help them really look at this person that they love and why was it so compelling to them? Why did they want this needed to be true? What are they getting out of it being true? How does it make them feel better about themselves? to get to that point where they have a little more empathy for the person and they don't think, because it's so hard to just hate the things they're saying and want to tell them how stupid they are. And that just plain doesn't work. You have to meet them where they are to help them out. And so you have to understand why it's so compelling to them, what they're getting out of it. And then you have to figure out how you're going to have that hard conversation with them to help them understand that they've been taken advantage of and lied to. But first, you have to be there with them in a place where they can hear you. And so you have to understand that they're still that good person. They're still your dad that took you fishing and that you love. They, you know, and that has good values at their core. You have to get to that place and meet them there and then be able to start chipping away at helping them understand. So how are we gonna deprogram so many people, thousands of people that have fallen prey to this stuff. It has to happen, I think, through the loved ones and through teaching them about how to do this. And then we have to have a public health approach, an education approach to teach people how to be resilient to this, how to recognize this kind of a con, especially when you're not feeling good about yourself, how to recognize Study Jonestown when that's when they'll take advantage of you. I just yesterday talked teach, to this uh, woman who thought... Um, a movie star was Truth in history. love with her that was approaching her on Twitter and then was asking her for money. She was ready to to run up all, she was a like 70 year old woman, ready to run up all her charge cards to pay because there was some contract that, that had to be paid to his publicist in order for him to be able to meet her in person. And she was ready to pay $50,000 for this crazy but i was able to talk with her in a matter of a couple hours and help her understand the con and now she's blocked him so can, can, can i ask you can i ask you a question then do you think that the pandemic and the social isolation caused by the lockdowns and the need to isolate is contributing to these beliefs uh flourishing yes absolutely because any time our psychological pain is greater any time we feel that primal need for safety, it, then that need to feel better is, is just so strong. And so the pandemic was extremely scary, it still is. And, you know, and also the lack of knowing who to trust because of the internet and new ways to get news sources is confusing. And so people are really scared and society has changed so much in the last 50 years, you know, with civil rights issues and things. A lot of people feel left behind and like their core values they grew up on are being threatened. 
And when you feel threatened, it's very primal. And you need to feel better about yourself. You need something to believe in. And most importantly, you need someone to blame. And that's what's throughout all of this messaging, is that they're the enemy and we have to stop them, that evil force, whether it's, you know, crazy like reptilian people that are, you know, taking over or, or that there's these chips in the, in the, that are, in the, in the the reptilian people already virus. took over. I, you know, <laughs> all of these things sound so crazy on the face, oh, but when we're, we have, that, we're already place, part reptilian. Because we have a reptilian brain. Everybody does. Um, this is a really interesting um, podcast because I was talking about how um, Trump has managed to set up this death cult, man. Death cult? Yeah, a death cult. Well, he didn't tell go after you. Yeah, well, uh, I'm strong. Uh, he didn't wet me. 